is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. I am, of course, am Don LaGreca. Three games to discuss last night. Let's start with the first one, Leafs and the Wild. And there was panic in Toronto when you learned that Austin Matthews was going to miss his first game in the National Hockey League with a upper body injury. He's listed his day-to-day, didn't play in the game, but he certainly was bailed out by the likes of Marlowe, Kadri, Brown, and Carrick, who all scored in the 4-2 to victory. So after facing 500 when they were in that shootout against Vegas earlier in the week, <clears throat> now a couple of games back above 500 for the Leafs as they're trying to gain some traction here in the NHL and uh, certainly the Wild having their problems right now. And they're going to be in Montreal tonight. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Rangers have won five in a row, and the question I get from a lot of fans, and I'm sure once we're going to start getting to Twitter and the social media, is this for real? Is this just a team taking advantage of Boston, for example, who had six rookies in the lineup that have combined to play just 104 games? You know, a Vegas team that was on the East Coast, a Florida team that's not very good. I mean, you can make the case of the five consecutive wins they've had. Uh, The most impressive has been Tampa because that was the best team in the NHL and they beat them in overtime. But Columbus came in banged up. No Cam Atkinson, no uh, Sedlak, no uh, Calvert. And then last night, again, all those guys out of the lineup for the Boston Bruins. So, I mean, I guess if you really wanted to look at the wins and say, ah, well, maybe they're just catching teams at the right time. But you know what? When you're a Ranger team that has lacked confidence all year, and you're just looking to see if you can't build some confidence. Five wins in a row is five wins in a row. So I don't think you can look at it with John Desai. You just got to take it. Now, they still need to improve. There's areas in which they need to work on. And certainly I think uh, this game Saturday is going to be interesting. Edmonton coming off a win against the Islanders. They'll take on the Devils later on tonight. And with that kind of firepower, even though it really hasn't produced this year, still an interesting test. But you can't just excuse all these wins away. They needed wins. They got wins five in a row. They're starting to play complete games. They're starting to get goals from other places. Again, Bushnevich is emerging as a real star on this team. Had a great goal getting around Chara for the tally, the first of the game. BC wakes up. He gets a couple of goals in the third period. So now he's got four, so he doubled his total. Kreider's playing better. Hayes is playing better. Miller's playing better. You're finding more consistency out of Henrik Lundqvist. This team is not in the conversation right now as the best team in the NHL. This is not a team that's in the conversation that is a lock to make the playoffs. But what it is is a team that started 1-5 and five and has now gotten to the point where they're above 500 at 8-7-1. So it's baby steps. It's trying to progress forward. But don't start thinking that they now have to show that they're a dominant hockey team. I'm not sure they were even predicted to be a dominant hockey team. They were looked upon as a playoff team that once they get there could do some damage because of who their goaltender is. And that's probably a ceiling for what the Rangers are. So I I wouldn't put them in the league with Tampa right now, even though they beat them. I'm not sure that they're looked upon as the best team in the league. Pittsburgh, you've seen now, has taken over first place. But you start 1-5, and five, you start thinking the whole thing is going to fall apart, Elaine Vigneault is going to be fired, they're going to start blowing the thing up, and now you're seeing that this is beginning to look like the team that has been a consistent playoff team and move forward there. So you got Edmonton, next week's going to be tough when you have to take on Chicago and Columbus and all that. But right now, the Rangers have won five in a row. They're getting production from different areas on the ice. It's not just about Zibanejad, although he continues to be good. So I think if you're a Ranger fan, you've got to be happy with the five consecutive wins. Tampa 
really flexed their muscle last night in San Jose. The Sharks get a Donskoy goal in the first 30 seconds of the game, and then that was it. Tampa just lit it up from there. They tie the game later on in the first period, and then they just take over in the second period. It's the period of a long change. Sometimes it's very difficult on the road to be dominant in the second period, and they certainly were. So they get the Kucherov goal. He's now 15. Cuckoo gets a goal. Uh, Nemestikov gets a couple, including one in the third period. Five consecutive goals for the Lightning and a 5-1 to one win. So, you know, they've had their hiccups lately, but Tampa, to me, is beginning to emerge. And, of course, tomorrow we'll have our top five as the best team in the National Hockey League now. Vasilevsky has proven to be a really solid goaltender. Hedman's a stud. You're getting goals scoring from all over the place. And, and we're not even talking about Stamkos, right, as much as we really should because it's all about Kuznetsov. Well, who do you think's feeding him the puck? You know, the guy's got a ton of points. He's healthy now. Remember, this was a Tampa team that went to the last couple of days of the regular season trying to make the playoffs without Steven Stamkos, who's one of the best players in the NHL. So now they've they got him. Kucherov's beginning to emerge. And I know John Cooper can be a little smug. He's a, he's a former lawyer, but he's a heck of a coach, and they really play for him. So I know sometimes the post-game press conference, he kind of looks like he's above it all. He's kind of like snooty, but he's a good guy. He's a really good coach. And I'm telling you, Tampa is really starting to emerge as maybe the team to be in this league. Because who else is it? <clears throat> Edmonton, we thought would be better. No. Toronto, we thought would be better. No. Pittsburgh in the conversation, first place in the Metropolitan Division, but can they really win a third consecutive Stanley Cup? Does that make sense in this era? Listen, I didn't know if they'd be able to win two in a row, so Pittsburgh has to be in that conversation. Uh, I thought Ottawa would be better, um, and, and that hasn't really happened yet. So when you take a look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, who is better than Tampa? Washington, they're kind of muddling around 500. And then you go out west, and the, and the Los Angeles Kings certainly emerged as a dominant team. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, you know, St. Louis has been good too. But to me, Tampa has just been on a special type of level that tells me that this is probably going to be the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. Now, keep an eye. Stamkos has gotten hurt the last couple of years. I'm interested to see if this Kucherov thing can continue. But right now, they're the best team in the National Hockey League. Let's take a look at the seven games tonight. You've got the Devils and the Oilers. The Oilers are here on the East Coast. They won in overtime over the Islanders. they got the Devils tonight. They'll be at the Garden on Saturday afternoon. I'll have the call with Dave Maloney. What is going on with the Edmonton Oilers? They're just not scoring goals. What is it, 32 so far this year? With all those great players, they're still sitting at 5-8-1. and one, But Dreisaitl's healthy, had a couple of points in the victory against the Islanders. He had a tremendous feed to McDavid for the game winner. That should be fun. Devils only got the one win out west. They come home. They took way too many penalties against the Blues. This is a very interesting test for New Jersey. The Wild are starting to slip. The Canadians are starting to gain some confidence. They're home. That should be interesting. The Canadians have a chance to get to NHL 500 tonight. Blackhawks and the Flyers in Philadelphia. Flyers now just a game above 500. Chicago, also one of those teams, right? We've gotten some tweets about it of just trying to find themselves here. Uh, they're you know just above 500. They have the exact same record as the Philadelphia Flyers, so that should be interesting. Talked about this with Dave Maloney during the Ranger game last night. <clears throat> 
The Arizona Coyotes are the worst team in the NHL, right? They are 2-13-2. But they're in every game that they play. You would think a team that is the worst team by far in the league would be losing games by five goals, getting embarrassed. Take a look at at the Coyotes. and They've been in a lot of these games, and, and Keller is a major reason why. He might end up being the rookie of the year. If they just had their goaltending set up better, I think the Coyotes would actually have a better record. Not a playoff team. they got a new coach, new system. But it's interesting in this parity-type league that you could be the worst team in the NHL and still be in every game. They just can't finish. They just can't get that goal when they need it. But they're not embarrassing themselves. And they're going to be in St. Louis, and that's a tough spot. They're at 12-3-1, and we discussed the Blues, Schwartz, and uh, certainly Tarasenko just having a tremendous year. They're getting great goaltending. The Blues certainly in the conversation among the best. Uh, the Red Wings continue to march on. They're above 500 at 8-7-1. Now they go out west, taking on Calgary. They already beat Vancouver, and the Flames coming off a very disappointing loss to Vancouver where they gave up uh, those two goals in the third period. Uh, the Canucks at 8-5-2 and will take on the Ducks at 6-6-3. and This is obviously the time to play the Ducks. No Getzloff. Uh, they've got a ton of injuries to deal with, and the Ducks coming off a disappointing loss to the Los Angeles Kings in which they blew a two-goal lead. And the Lightning in the second of back-to-backs will take on the Los Angeles Kings, possibly a preview of the Stanley Cup Final. Kings 11-2-2, the Lightning 12-2-2. It's, it's a late one. Drink your coffee, 10.30 at night, but you know what? It's going to be worth it. That's going to be a tremendous hockey game. I'm really looking forward to that. So we got some really good games tonight, and it should be a lot of fun. Now let's get to your uh, questions on social media, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Jack says, who is your favorite young player to watch that isn't McDavid? Great question. You got Austin Matthews. A guy I enjoy because I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Laine. Uh, he's got a wicked shot. I've gotten a chance to call a couple of Winnipeg Jet games last year, including a game in Winnipeg, which was terrific. And Line A was really good in both of those games. So Patrick Line A is the one guy that kind of jumps to mind. Uh, guy says uh, Rangers get three five-on-five five goals and an empty netter. Good to see contributions all over the ice. LIRR trains from Long Beach to Penn were jammed with people going to support our hometown product charlie mcavoy awesome atmosphere and rangers get two points that's right charlie mcavoy as we talked about it yesterday playing at the garden for the first time as an nhler i thought he played very well the big moment for charlie was bushnevich on a backhand looked like he had a wide open net for the second goal of the game and when i was calling it and even david mentioned like how did bushnevich miss it and then you looked at the replay and mcavoy had gotten a stick on the Bushnevich backhand, deflected wide. So he played well defensively. He's 19 years old. Uh, he's been a terrific story and um, got a chance to meet his dad, who was on uh, in the intermissions, and his family was all over the place. And there's a whole section <clears throat> just outside the um, away dressing room of Madison Square Garden. So with, whenever a Ranger game is played, there's always a contingent of Whoever is the local kids, like when the Pacioretties, when the Montreal's in town, the Pacioretties come in and they're all filled up that section. And uh, when Van Riemsdyk, when Toronto comes in, same thing. Well, you saw all the McAvoys in Long Beach be getting represented at Madison Square Garden last night. It was actually pretty cool. But Guy makes a great point. Five-on-five five goals. 
Uh, they've been not coming so much as the, as much as you want. You want to do well five on five. You want you want to do well in everything. But most of the game is played five-on-five, five, and you want to make sure you're the best team when you are at even strength. And after scoring three power play goals against Columbus, the Rangers were able to get three even strength goals, including uh, the empty netter. Uh, let's say we got Jake who says, hey, Don, when do we see we start talking about Bushnevich being the best forward on the Rangers? It's starting to happen. I still think Sabanajad is better because uh, I think he's more of an all-around player. But when you talk about finishing, he's got it going on and I know I've talked about this a lot but you know we got robbed of him last year because of the back injury he's healthy now and when you look at the Rangers it was when is Hayes going to emerge when is Miller going to emerge when is Kreider going to emerge well now maybe it's going to be Bushnevich who's got the chance to be the best player on the New York Rangers and you're really seeing a difference he's gotten hot now and there's no coincidence that he's gotten hot and now the team is starting to win games. And it can't always be about the same players. Where's Rick Nash? Where's Zabanajad? It's got to be other players. And I think Hayes is starting to play better. Miller's starting to play better. It's coming around for this team. It is. It's starting to mold and round into shape. And I think a great job out of Jake to bring up that Bushnevich might be a major reason why. Uh, Jordan says, hey, Don, what's the most memorable fight you've ever seen? Well, this is an easy one for me. God, this is going back to like 91, 92. There was a devil that used to play for the Detroit Red Wings named Troy Crowder. The devils got Crowder in compensation for, I believe it was Dave Barr signing in Detroit. And the devils ended up getting Randy McKay in that deal. And they also got Troy Crowder. And Crowder really wasn't that great of a player, certainly. And this is back in the age where you'd have a couple of fighters on the team. And he got into it with Bob Probert, and it was very highly anticipated. My girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, Nancy, actually had season tickets to the Devils in the early 90s before they won the Cup. And they were right behind one of the goals, and, and we'd sit maybe 10 rows away from the ice. It was great seats. And everybody was talking about Crowder and Probert. And again, for young hockey fans, you probably don't even, it's not even part of the game anymore. It's its going to be completely foreign to you. But you'd see a couple of fights a game, and there would be an anticipation when you saw two of the bigger fighters in the league playing each other. So when the Detroit Red Wings came to town with Bob Probert, you knew if you had a fighter on your team, whether if you're a Ranger fan, it was you know Joey Koser or any of the different fighters they'd have there, or you know just anywhere around the league, you knew that they were gonna they were gonna fight probably at least a couple of times, and it was gonna be a big heavyweight bout, and it lived up to expectations. It was one of the best fights I ever saw live, and I'm sure you could probably find it to some websites that that honor the tradition of fighting with video. You probably find it on YouTube. But Troy Crowder versus Bob Probert definitely the best fight. That I ever saw. The big calzone says, "Do you see Philippe uh, Heidel, or excuse me, Heidel getting back up at the middle of the season, or do they let him stay in Hartford?" Well, right now, where's the room for him? Right, Buniyevs has been sick with the flu, but he's eventually going to come back and play center. I think Paul Carey's played a very good center too. So, is there a need there now? If if, if Heidel, you're saying if Heidel plays well in Hartford and, and just begs to be called up. But right now I think it's beginning to round into shape with Nieves and Carey as that fourth-line center. So I'm not really sure whether uh, uh, Heedle's got that opportunity 
uh, to get called up. We'll have to see. Uh, James says, confused as to why Hosang isn't called up yet. Any reason why? And also your thoughts on Doug Waite and Garth Snow. I don't know the inside of the Islanders. I'll try to ask and see what's up with Hosang. The, the, the problem with uh, just my observation of Hosang, and, and Dave and I have talked about it when we called an Islander game earlier in the year, guy likes to dangle. Um, I think he tries to puck handle a little bit too much. I think he needs to be a little bit more ingrained to the team concept, and maybe that's what Garth Snow is hoping he can do um, in the minor leagues. And I think Doug Waite's a heck of a coach. I mean, you take a look, and I was a Jack Capuano fan, but just look at what this team has done since Doug took over. From from the second half of last year to what they've done this year, I think he's a heck of a coach. And give credit to Garth Snow. I mean, you're looking at some of these young players that are playing. That's under Garth Snow's watch. I think Garth has done a good job over the last couple of years of changing his image as a guy that maybe didn't belong as a general manager, that kind of jumped almost literally from playing into that situation. And, of course, after everything that would happen with Neil Smith, it, it just had this odor, if you will, of – somebody, a neophyte, an inexperienced guy getting thrown there, that maybe he wasn't really the guy that was pulling the lever on some of these deals. But looking at how this team is is beginning to emerge, I I think Garth Snow has done a really good job. Sam Diaz says, um, you've stated you were a Devil fan in the past. Who was your favorite Devil player? What would be your Devil's dream team? (laughs) Well, my favorite Devil player, and you're going to laugh at this and probably never even heard of the guy, was Jim Corn? He wore number fourteen. He was a Providence guy, so Lou knew him when he was at Providence and gave him a chance to play with the Devils. And he was kind of a goon, and but I just liked him. I just liked the way that he played, and he was fun playing at a time when the Devils weren't very good. And quick story: I'm in college, working at the college radio station, and I to get some experience, I went and I went to the Devils practice over in South Orange, and I wanted to interview Jim Corn for WRPR, the radio station in Ramapo. So I go, I was told that it's it's much easier to just go to the practice facility rather than trying to get these guys after games, and I was in college and I couldn't get a credential. So this is in the 80s, this is like 1988 or 89. So I went to the practice facility and I waited for him, and I said, uh, can I get an interview with you? And he said, listen, we have to be at the winner's club at the Meadowlands, we're, we're going there for lunch. He's like, do me a favor, meet me there. We're on our way there now. And before um, I go in for the lunch, we'll do the interview. That way I'm right outside the lunch where I have to be rather than being delayed here. I'm, I'm, I'm driving a bunch of people over the Meadowlands. So I, I follow him to the Meadowlands, get ahead of him, park the car, get outside the Winners Club at the Continental Airlines Arena, which I think at the time was technically the Brendan Byrne Arena, and he walked right past me. I'm like, what a piece of garbage. <laughs> so he no longer was my favorite. Uh, but the dream team, obviously, your uh, your goaltender is going to be Marty Brodeur. Your, your two defensemen are going to be Scott Stevens and Scott Niedemeyer. And from a forward standpoint, it's hard to not have Kirk Muller, John McClain, Patrick Eliash. Those are the three best forwards. You could talk about Pat Verbeek. He may be, but you know, Captain Kirk has to be there. Um, Patrick Eliash, probably pound for pound the greatest forward, and John McClain, who had all the records before uh, Eliash broke them, would probably be uh, the dream team. But I, I had, I love Claude Loisel, I love Randy Velichek, D- Doug Brown was one of my favorites. I remember I did a metal show at WRPR, and we went to the um, uh, the fan club meeting, and I wanted to get an ID, 
you know, you're uh, this is Doug Brown of the New Jersey Devils, and you're listening to the Beast is Unleashed on one uh, on ninety point three WRPR. And you should saw the look on his face when he saw Beast is Unleashed. He he was that was not his thing. So it was just a a kind of funny moment there. Uh, Chris says in K. Uh, let's see here. I uh, talked about the Mount Rushmore. Either one of the goaltenders uh, that um, they should be another Mount Rushmore for goaltenders. Haven't heard Dryden's name mentioned. That's a good point. He says my second idea is original six and modern era. Here's my split of those. So th- this is what he says for his Mount Rushmore, Chris Moore. Modern era. Gretzky, Yager gets the nod over Mario because of health. Lidstrom, best band, best damn defenseman in my time, and Marty. So I got no problem with that list. If you were going to go from, say, 1990 on, I guess you would have no problem. Uh, putting all those guys in or 1980 on if you wanted to go there. Uh, Slappy says, Don, do you think that Brendan Smith will get traded since the Rangers' run started with his benching in the third period against the Vegas Knights? Why is he struggling? Well, word on the street is he came in out of shape, and he's trying to work his way back into shape. But more so than anything else has been the emergence of, of Holden, who actually started the year with the flu, um, and I think got off to a little bit of a slow start. And Camfer has played so well that you don't want to take him out of the lineup. So it's a combination of Smith having his problems, but also the fact that Holden and Kempfer have played so well that it's been hard for Smith to be able to crack the lineup. Now, are you going to trade Smith? You're not exactly trading him uh, with a lot of leverage right now, considering he's not even playing for you and you just gave him a contract. Maybe Kempfer comes back down to earth, you take him out. Smith's going to have his place back on this team. But sometimes it's difficult to trade when a guy's value is so low where he's a healthy scratch. Um, Trill says, what channel is the Rangers radio broadcast when the Knicks are on ESPN radio? Well, usually it's on 1050 a.m. That's where it was last night. And I shall also let you know that there's a game coming up a couple of Sundays from now. Uh, where it's going to be on 710. Check my Twitter page if you don't know, but 80, 90% of the time when the Knicks are on 98.7, the Rangers are on 1050. A couple of times they were not just because of the fact that um, baseball was on 1050, but usually it's on uh, 1050 a.m. Uh, Five-Minute Major says, Don, thoughts on the upcoming global series between the Avs and the Sens, two Swedish-born captains, the whole Duchesne facing his former team thing, but the games are on in the middle of the day. The league probably should have done this in the preseason. Well, the problem is, and we've had this conversation before, in all sports, they want regular season games. Uh, these European teams, you know, the football used to do it in the preseason, and then they moved to regular season. Baseball used to have it part of their spring training. Now they do it in the regular season. These countries want regular season games. You saw it happen with the Rangers when they were in Prague against the Lightning. Remember they played in Stockholm against the Kings and the Ducks a few years ago. Those countries want regular season games. And let's be honest, I mean, even if it's on at 7, if it's 2, I mean, the rest of the country is not going to care much about the Avalanche and Sens, and Colorado and Ottawa will just have to make the adjustments of playing during the day. But it's not really about the entertainment here in North America, 5-Minute Major. It's about selling the sport in Europe, and the NHL has, along with the NBA, the best ability to do that with all of the different European players that already play in their league. But it's really put together where it's about 
those countries, having it at a convenient time for them. I think it's fun, as you said, with the with the Swedish captains, and then, of course, the trade really adds a lot of spice to it. Maybe what you could have done, and they did this in London when the um, – I think the Ducks played the Kings, if you remember. I think that was the – it was definitely the Kings involved. And this is going back five, six years ago, where they played them on a Saturday and Sunday where they were during the day here in the States and they were in prime time. So maybe you could make the case that um, keep those things on the weekend. I, I believe one of the games is on the weekend in Sweden. So um, I think it's actually a good idea. I'm not a big fan of it happening in football where they're actually thinking about opening up a European division or having a European team out there. But there's so many European players, and those countries really deserve to see some NHL hockey and deserve to see some meaningful regular season hockey. So I am all for that. Uh, Brian says, big game for VC last night after being in AV's doghouse the last few games. Does, should this translate into more ice time for 26? Well, sure. I, I got a chance to talk to Ryan McDonough after the game last night. And we were just discussing how the guy gets nailed to the bench in the third period against Columbus, and then he comes out and scores two goals in the first period. That's what every coach is looking to do, is learn from your mistakes. Don't get buried in the doghouse. That's what VC did last night. And so that's why you got to give A.V. a lot of credit for that. He, he sensed that VC needed to sit, and VC responded with a couple of goals. And that's somebody else that I should have mentioned with the Rangers, too. If Bushnevich is going to emerge, then clearly if VC is going to re- emerge, hey, that's some big-time stuff. And that's what Jake is saying here. Say, hi, Don. VC with a great night last night with two goals. Do you think Gordon goes out and gets a player that can help the offensive surge? If so, who would you like to see them try and acquire? I don't see them making any deals. First of all, they're not in the appetite of giving up any picks. So that means you're going to have to give up somebody on your roster. You can make the case that you have excess defensemen right now with Smith as a healthy scratch, but is anybody going to want Brendan Smith? Um, <clears throat> my answer would probably be not really many teams unless they're just really hurting on the on the blue line. And really, what can you expect to get? Now, at the deadline, I do think that there might be some players available, teams that are out of it. But right now, I just don't see that happening. Uh, let's see. Jeff says, Minnesota Wild, at what point do you see these fluke goals become poor goaltending? You know, I was thinking that, too, <clears throat> with Dubnik. I mean, last year he had such an amazing season, uh, didn't translate into the playoffs, and you looked at his history, right, and you saw that just out of nowhere he had that kind of a season, and was that the fluke? And I, I keep an eye on that because they're just not getting the goaltending, the offensive consistency. The Wild right now are an interesting team. Uh, to keep a, an eye on. Kevin Fritz says, hey, Don, love the show. You talked about the most underrated player in hockey. Now, who, in your opinion, is the most overrated player in the NHL? Woof. That's a good one. That's a tough one to talk about because that's really that's a pretty insulting thing to say to a player about how overrated they are. But you take a look at the players that are looked upon as being superstar players, and do any of them not deserve to be superstar players? That's a good uh, – I'd have to think about that one. I've got a few names that are bouncing around in my head of who could be considered overrated. Going through the teams right now. Let me let me chew on that a little bit because I don't want to spend too much time uh, hemming and hawing here trying to think of something overrated player i mean is there is there anybody that is looked upon they would have to probably play in a market a popular team that just over exaggerates the ability of a certain player hmm <laughs> tough to say tough to say so i'm gonna have to think about that that's a great question i love when we get these great questions on the podcast it's awesome
Let me see if we got a few more that we can squeeze out here. Brett Ludstig says, besides actually playing full 60, what do you think has turned the Rangers around, and can they sustain it? <clears throat> well, playing the full 60 has been number one. But Pavel Bushnevich, I think, has been another. The Rangers early in the season were Mika Zibanejad on the power play, and that was it. Now Nash is scoring a little bit. VC with two goals last night. I think Hayes has played better. Um, but Pavel Bushnevich is becoming a legitimate threat to me is, I think, the reason why we're sitting here having a conversation about the Rangers turning it around. And I think that's a very, very good point that Bushnevich is the guy to get it done. Uh, Michael says, most underrated Gino uh, Malkin. No NHL 100 and overshadowed by Sid. Really good good point. Malkin should have been in that top 100. And speaking of the top 100, if you wanted to talk about an overrated player, and the Blackhawk fans are going to kill me, but did Duncan Keith really deserve to be in the top 100? So if you want to say an overrated player, doesn't mean that he's not a great player. But is he one of the top 100 players of all time? So you want an overrated player? Maybe that's an overrated player. George says, is Jake Gardner good at hockey? <laughs> no doubt he has skill, but I don't think this guy can be a top four defenseman on the Stanley Cup team. Amen. He's fun to watch. The Leaf game that I called, he was pinching like crazy. He spent more time around the net and behind the net of the other team's net than he was playing at the blue line. I mean, you could say that a lot of, about a lot of the defensemen on the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Uh, that they, all they think about is offense. Zaitsev is the same way. Go, go, go. Offense, offense, offense. O'Reilly's another example of that. I think that's kind of the system that Toronto plays right now until Babcock can figure it out. He is a great offensive player, but no, he leaves a lot to be desired on the defensive side of things, and I think that's the difference between the Leafs being a cup contender and not being a cup contender. They can score with the best of them, but is Anderson an elite goaltender? Do they have the blue line to be able to protect not having an elite goaltender? These are all the things I wonder when I think about uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And finally, Forever T8 says, who is your Mount Rushmore of goalies? Uh, Let's see, Marty, Wah, Hashik. The thing about Ken Dryden is he didn't play very long. He was like the Sandy Koufax of goaltenders. He only played a handful of years, but boy, were they good. But I would probably want to go with somebody that's played longer and played longer in elite level. I think there's something to being able to do it for a long period of time. But now we get into, I think those are the three, right? If you want to say Terry Sawchuck, certainly in the conversation. You want to say Billy Smith for the four straight Stanley Cup. Would you want to say Grant Fuhr? And here's the thing you can't get caught up in. Because you young kids out there will look to the computer and say, how can Grant Fuhr be in there? How can Billy Smith be in there? They, they had three and a half goal against averages. Different era. Back in the 80s, man, if you gave up five goals and won 6-5, you could still be one of the stars of the game. I mean, that's just the way the game was back then 30, 40 years ago. Offense was just a plenty. So don't kill those guys for having high goal against averages. There were money goaltenders that didn't give up bad goals. They were part of Stanley Cup champions. So you can go Billy Smith. You can go Grant Fuhr. Those guys are really good goaltenders. I mean, where does Tom Barrasso fit in that? He won a couple of cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Where does Marc-Andre Fleury kind of fall into there as one of the modern goaltenders? Jonathan Quick, who's won a couple of championships with the Los Angeles Kings. I wouldn't put those guys on there, but I'm trying to give everybody a little bit of love. 
Ooh, who would I put? I, I, I guess Jacques Plant. All those records, shutout records, uh, the wins. So that's what I would probably go with because you got to honor the old timers, right? So I would go with uh, Brodeur for the wins, Patrick Waugh for the money because of the four Stanley Cups, and I believe two Conn Smythe trophies of those four Stanley Cups. Dominic Koshik, who I think was the most athletic and just imaginative and creative goaltender that I ever saw. And I want to honor the old guys with Jacques Plant, who was a money as well. So this is a lot of fun. Ton of games to go over tomorrow. Don't forget we got our top five teams of the week. So if you want to tweet at me at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct with your top five teams, compare them to my top five teams. But this was a lot of fun. Got into a lot of great conversation. Looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. This was the Thursday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.